for a lot of companies, that huge revenue annually is coming from these huge physical events that just aren't going to happen or will be postponed. So maybe those leads that you were expecting at the beginning or middle of the year are going to be delayed. So the whole sales cycle is a little messed up. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Annie, Annie, how you doing? I'm doing well, Sangram. How are you? I am really, really good. So we got Latasha. Latasha has been a long time listener of LinkedIn Live. So it's awesome. Latasha, thank you so much for being there. We got Michael um, yeah, from Hartford. Uh, we got Muhammad from Digimind. Uh, Akash from Australia. We got uh, Jordan. Jordan, tell me where you're from. But just like a lot of really incredible people just to jump in. So I'm loving doing this Monday and Wednesday, just talking to great people, great marketers. So Annie, why don't you share a little bit about yourself, what your company does, the size, and then we'll jump into this very topic that is, I feel, really top of mind for a lot of people. How do you go from physical events to digital events and do it the right way? Yeah, sure. So I actually work with Genesis, which is a global company. We do call center technology. Um, So we've been very busy, as you can imagine. Um, And we are a global company. We have about 6,000 employees. My marketing department globally is around 300, probably a little bit more than that. Um, And we serve around 11,000 customers. So large global footprint. Yeah. Definitely busy. Um, and then in for, for me, myself, um, I'm the Global Digital Engagement Manager, which is a fancy way of saying that I run the global digital events. So podcasts, webinars, all, live demos, you know, all sorts of things. And now a lot of virtual events. That is crazy. So tell me the life you were having before all of the craziness started. And the life now, now that now that uh, now that this is the new normal, as people say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had a pretty um, set process of how we ran everything globally. Um, I worked with a lot of our regional managers to help them, to empower them. How do we get all of these digital events? We had a great calendar set up. We had a wonderful process um, that's now been completely revamped. Um, We also had a robust physical event schedule. So, of course, heading into event season and with the coronavirus hitting, we also had to look at that and how our two teams could really come together and align to make a great process that we were able to turn out easily and quickly and could really send out to the rest of the regions too, so that they're able to do it as well. So talk to me and I'm getting some questions already from yeah. like Jordan. He's talking about, you see hybrid events uh, from future events, the industry events versus virtual events. So there's a lot of talk there. And, and Jordan, you want to get to that question. And Annie, I want you to share more on that in a second. But I wanted to start off with, is this, and, and being very sensitive to all the, the things that are going on, people are losing jobs, people are losing lives, there's just a lot of sensitivity around it. I recognize that. At the same time, is it good for the marketers out there 
to reinvent themselves, be creative with what they got. Because what you just said was, is probably the story of almost everyone. To so give me a thumbs up or like if that's how your organization uh, has been, is like, hey, we're we're doing 20 events this year. We're gonna have like you know five eBooks. We're gonna have a weekly webinar. We're gonna have like it's just a set it in stone on motion. I'm not necessarily saying autopilot, but for the most part, it's an ongoing thing. And all of a sudden, I feel we got just hit by a truck and we're like, wait a minute, what just happened? So I'm just wondering, are, are you, as a brilliant marketer, are you looking at this as, you know what, good, you know, we just need to reinvent ourselves as an organization, as a marketer? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, first and foremost is people being healthy. As a marketer, it is an opportunity to take a step back, look at what does work, how we need to change it, how we need to adapt to what the current state is. So we did some market research. What are other people doing, right? Nobody's going to reinvent the wheel overnight here. There's no way to do that anyway. So what are other people doing? What are some great ways to do this virtual living now that we're all having to do, but still make it effective, still make it interactive? How do you kind of replicate those physical events that people travel miles for, you know, pay lots of money to go see? How do you make that as important virtually? And I think a first thing to recognize is you have to manage expectations. Doing something virtual, even like what we're doing now, will never replicate me coming to your booth, shaking your hand, you know, yeah. getting one of your books, you know, like this is never gonna fulfill that. But it makes a nice bridge. We can do something in the meantime until we are back to a different normal where people are allowed to be around each other again. You have to focus on your strategy and how can you make it work now when we're all in the same same boat virtually. All right. So let's just get into it. Hey, Allison, good to see you. And she's uh, from healthcare industry. And I think healthcare industry is like having a completely different. So feel free to start asking questions. I really think Ali has a really unique perspective around events and how they're thinking about it. So Ali, how are you thinking about events, your organization thinking about events? Just talking with my physical events team, really kind of determining what are the main points to the big events? Why do you put this on? What are you telling people? What's the messaging? And I really kind of figured out that it's two big buckets. There's either the interactive engagement, face-to-face sort of contact, or people are coming to see a great panel or an awesome breakout session or Mm -hmm. a wonderful keynote presentation. So I kind of looked at it in two different ways. People are either going and they want that interaction or they're going and they want kind of that educational presentation sort of. Right, like you want to know the tactical takeaways to get things out of it or you want to get there to get inspired with everything going on. Exactly. So we kind of move forward with your events can fit into these two different buckets and how do we get that virtually done. That was kind of the strategy that we started moving forward with. Okay. And and when you talk about what what is the educational base and the strategy around it, you are doing something that's interesting. A lot of people talking about like you're doing a 22 hour event. Our largest event um, is being postponed. And because of that, we wanted to have something virtual that would bridge the gap. This is not replacing our big event. This is literally just kind of putting a Band-Aid over the fact that we had to postpone it. So what we are doing is a virtual summit live streamed. 
So we will be live streaming globally. We want to do a follow the sun approach. So we will be live in every region. It will end up being about 22 hours worth of a live stream. Um, Of course, some of the content will be pre-recorded, but we noticed that not a lot of the other events that we saw from other people were live at all. We really wanted to have that. We really wanted to have that engagement, that interactivity. So we are going live in all regions at the end of May. Wow. Yeah. It's a 22 hour event. You have how many hours of content do you have that you're replicating across uh, this 22 hours? We have an event right now for each region that will probably fit into three and a half to four hours. So doing that with the live stream, that's what's going to take the 22 hours, just just yeah. rolling over the different regions. Some of it, again, will be pre-recorded. We have some great customers lined up. So of course, we're not going to have them be up at two o'clock in the morning for, you know, APAC. Yeah, a lot of it will be live. Yeah. And this is the point I don't want anybody missing right now as people are jumping in asking questions. Feel free to ask questions because I think everybody's trying to figure out how to go virtual and what are the best practices around that, especially when you're doing such a big, massive 22 hour per region, even though you have four to five hours of content. I think that's brilliant. I want people to realize that people are going to give you grace around people people expect you to have repeat content they would rather appreciate you do that than not do it all so one of my pastors andy stanley has a great saying he says that hey do for one what you you want to do for everybody do for one what you want to do for everybody so if there's a customer so if you can get your customer at 1 p.m or 2 1 a.m or 2 a.m in the morning that's fine but have them record it so that Whatever, whoever is live, they can watch it live, but they can then watch, other people can watch it, others, and they will be okay with that. But right. not doing it is not an option. Not All right, so here, here are questions. I'll go with Jordan. Uh, hey, Jordan. Uh, his question is, do you see hybrid events as the future and the industry rather than purely virtual events? Yes, I do. I think, you know, hopefully once everybody is healthy and we can get back to a different normal, we're all going to be craving, I think, <laughs> going to conferences. Yeah. yeah, right? Like we, we're going to want to be social, I think, hopefully. Definitely hybrid. And I think the whole format of how we do hybrids and virtuals will definitely change. So, and, and my thoughts on this, Jordan, is I think that should always has, that should be the case. In some ways, it's already there. Like when you talk about like doing webinars and podcasts and what we're doing LinkedIn Live, it's not like we didn't do that as a society. I just think we're just double downing on that because there's no other thing we could do. This is what we could do. But events is part of it. What I do do think that people are going to be better at washing hands and <laughs> it's a good thing. I learned, I learned how to really wash your hand. And I think people are going to be more respectful to other people. Somebody is sick. We keep saying that, hey, don't come to work, work from home. Or if somebody's sick, don't don't do certain things. I think we take it lightly have several times people are like they're sick and they're still in the office. I think people will be more respectful yes. of respecting others and knowing that, hey, look, it could be bad and it's not a good thing for you to be there. Like so things like that, and there will be some general, hopefully, understanding around what are the normal etiquettes of just being around. Definitely agree. Awesome. All right. So here, here is um, Michael, uh, Michael Larkin. He's saying my, his competitors two months ago, now we were, they were competitors and now they're collaborating more. I mean, that's really, really, really interesting because I think the scenario is that I will never met, meet your business client and they will never benefit with what we have. So it's a win-win opportunity. 
that's interesting, Michael. I'll, I'd love to love to hear more on that and love to hear any of your thoughts on it is bringing competitors right now. So for example, if, so we're not competitors with Drift, for example, but we're doing a whole webinar with Drift and Justin is speaking um, on that and we're promoting that virtual conference and it's even though it's not on terminus.com and they're like 50 sponsors, some of them are, I think, competitors. I think about Flip My Funnel, we bring in competitors all day long and we give them stage at the event because we always thought that we want to be, build an industry event then a user conference. Like we wanted to build an industry event and we felt that our customers and future customers will benefit when the entire industry, competitors and media and analysts and everybody's there so people can get be there as opposed to trying to do it all by yourself. So interesting scenario, Michael, of like bringing your competitors in, and collaborating on it. Annie, what are your thoughts? I think that's fascinating. Um, I think definitely heading into the future, that's definitely something that I could see people doing. Just like you said, industry events. Like, why are we not partnering more, even if it is a competitor or even a slight competitor, like you were mentioning Drift? Let's all get yeah. in the same room, collaborate, come up with these great ideas. I love that. That's what creativity is all about right now. And I think that's what I'm excited for. If you're a marketer, if you're a salesperson, I think right now is the time for you to really be creative on those areas. The reality is a lot of people are going to just sit back, look at what's going on, be on the sidelines. And the companies and individuals that actually take the step and do something about it, I think, I think they're going to see a massive benefit for their personal brand and their company's brand. So I, I love, with especially like what, what Justin is doing with the whole brand thing. So that's pretty cool. Another question coming in. This is interesting. So when you, when you think about marketing and sales, is the relationship between marketing and sales changing as a result of not having that many events? Yes, I think it is. I know for a lot of companies that huge revenue annually is coming from these huge physical events that just aren't going to happen or will be postponed. So maybe those leads that you were expecting at the beginning or middle of the year are going to be delayed. So the whole sales cycle is a little messed up. So I know for me, just working with my teams, my sales development teams, producing their internal summit as well, it is a different approach now. And we do have to think about our relationship in a little bit of a different way and how how this whole thing is affecting our whole sales cycle and the buyer journey along with it. Yeah. yeah. Are you measuring differences? Again, um, a question coming in. Are there key success metrics you're measuring right now. I'm just trying to make sure I get the question right. Yeah. Uh, this is again from Jordan. Are there key success factors you're measuring against uh, for instead of like the room content versus the network piece, right? That's we, we look at when you go to an event, there's a fish bowl and people put their business cards and your oh. lead scan and everybody goes in. The people who attend the room come in the room, everybody's getting scanned who wants to be in the event. So there's a, there's a whole lot of things going on. So when you're doing your virtual event, and I'm just paraphrasing Jordan, so, so correct me if I'm wrong here, are you actually checking in people in different sessions? And do you know, or is it like, hey, no, it's all the people attending all the events, even if they're not? 
Right. Yeah. No, metrics is definitely an interesting thing, especially because we're creating these events that we haven't created before. So there's no benchmark. There's no metric for me to look at from last year's event. We are still trying to get as many metrics as possible. And yeah, we do want to know who's going to which breakout session, who's going to which keynote, you know, how long are they spending there? Are they asking any questions? Did they download any of our resources listed? So yeah, that is something that we really want to track because again, and you aren't getting the batch scans. You aren't getting the cards in the fishbowl. So how else, yeah. how else do we know? And yeah, those are definitely something that we want. But again, it's like I, I have nothing to compare it to. So I don't look at my metrics now as being good or bad because it's 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 different. It's just right. different now. So um, I'm really interested to see once things kind of die down and we and we get back to doing the physical events, I'm really kind of interested to see how the metrics will add up there. So that tells me two things. Uh, one, in some ways, you're actually getting more information than you would at a physical event. Yes. Because you're literally even looking at who's downloading what, who is asking questions, who is more engaged, how long they're engaged, all those things. So in some ways, actually, some of these virtual events, if planned and tracked properly, you will get more information. The other thing that I'm seeing, and we're doing that, that terminus right now, we're doing, instead of doing a, just a massive event, like we're partnering with some companies to do a massive, massive event, we're now doing cohorts, 20 people. VIP events for 20 customers. We're not letting more than 20 people be in a cohort because we want conversations to happen. We want active participation to happen. This is something we never tried. Like we all have done webinars. Everybody knows how to do webinars. There's no right. secret there. You have, and, and maybe, and we do, we try to have like just conversations as opposed to slides. Like you can still, but it's still a webinar. It's still like you're not fully engaged and participating in that. What we're trying to do, and I think what's interesting about this whole thing is that people want to engage and have conversations and they don't want just to have uh, another monitor with things going on. So we are starting to do these 20 people or less VIP events online, Zoom calls, where everybody is really engaged. They're actually, their faces on it. They're asking questions directly. There's about 10, 15 minutes of content, but the rest is conversation, um, both for customers. And I'm also leading for our future customers. So I'm wondering if you guys are thinking about if you're testing that or trying that or something that's interesting to you. That's definitely something that I've worked with our sales development team on is virtual lunch and learn. And I know the, the whole thing kind of sounds cliche, but if you were making appointments for people to meet you at your booth, why are you not still doing that virtually? And how can we get 20 people or less together in a room asking questions like let's make it interactive and yeah let's you know also support a local business and send them a free lunch too right so we haven't kicked it off yet but that is definitely something that we've proposed in our in our thinking about because i think that that that's something that you have to do with these physical events being canceled i love that another thing you can you doubling and i think this is a conversation that uh, happening and hey shannon thanks for joining she's agreeing with you around the virtual metrics are way more, uh, are much more informing and help lead to a better sales conversation. So I, I think maybe the volume is not that much as you would expect at an event. Some, but I wonder if the quality of the people engaged in that is much higher and right. the right people and that are coming into the right sessions and all those things. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts after you do this event. Uh, when is it, by the way? 
It is uh, the big one is May 20th and 21st. May 20th and 21st. Well, we'll, we'll have, have the link. And who are you targeting in that? Uh, prospects and customers. So yeah. everybody. Everybody. And is it in specific industry or how is it? Nope. We are just opening it up to everybody. It's like I said, it's bridging a gap to our, our event being postponed. So we want to just come out there with, with a strong message and get people interacting with us. That's fascinating. All right. So I know we try to keep it to 15, 20 minutes. So Annie, I'm so grateful for you sharing the thoughts around physical to virtual, the idea of becoming, figuring out which sessions are interactive uh, versus which are ed- educational and workshop. I mm-hmm. uh, love the idea also around, we talk about VIP workshops, but also that you actually can get better metrics from events because you're able to track all that stuff. So I really, really love that. So thank you so much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. All right, folks. So this is, uh, we are starting to do Monday and Wednesdays, LinkedIn Live. Um, on Wednesday, we're going to have some, again, somebody just feel free to join in, ask questions. We will also have somebody joining in. And I just wanted to put this back up. Uh, there's a link, I think, in the link, LinkedIn at the top around um, like other interviews that we're doing. Like tomorrow at 2.15, we're also going to have Brett Hagler, then Daniel Pink and others. I just want to let you know, I'm really enjoying this. I love the interaction that's coming in. Let's make the best thing we possibly can and let's do the best work of our life. So Annie, again, thank you so much for joining. Thank you. This is awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you everybody for joining as well.